Hi, I'm Holly. And I am Danielle. And you are listening to the Spooky Hour. Hi, guys. Welcome to our uh, coronavirus episode. No, I'm totally We should kidding. just call this the, the coronavirus series. This is part two of the coronavirus series. We should do that. We are trapped inside our respective houses. Yep. And once again, we're recording this via FaceTime. It turned out pretty good. It wasn't too bad last time. I mean, editing, we're getting there. There was a little bit of flaws in editing, so uh, hopefully we've worked through that this time. It's a learning curve. We'll get there. Yeah. Things. I've noticed a lot of other podcasts doing it too, which is kind of comforting because like, we're all kind of in the same boat right now. Yeah. There was an app I saw someone using, but you had to pay for it. And like, I feel like we've already put enough of our money into this at this point. Yeah. And also, like, I'm pretty sure we're all going to be losing our jobs very soon. So <laughs> I can't afford that stuff right now. We need to cling on to this. This is our hope right now. Yeah. Yeah. Times but, uh, are scary. I know. So I hope everyone's keeping safe and washing your damn hands and staying inside. Did you hear about the kids in Brampton? No. So for people who are listening that aren't from Toronto, Brampton is like in the greater Toronto area. It's one of the cities. And uh, right now, if you're caught not practicing social distancing and stuff, you can be fined up to $100,000 or have a year in prison. And no think, way. Yeah, it wasn't yesterday or the day before that. Some kids in Brampton decided to throw a backyard party. Oh, I did see and this, and he got the ticket. Yeah, yeah, he he got fined a hundred thousand oh dollars because there's twenty plus people, and um, he's going to court and can face up to a year in jail. Everyone were, at that party would be giving me like five thousand dollars. Yeah, but could That's you, like, insane. how stupid are you? I mean, good for you, good for them for they're like because they're giving out minimum minimum tickets, which are like. I think that range between like 500 and 700 yeah. bucks or something like that. But th- they were just like, no, this is like irresponsible. So we're finding them the most they can be fined. And I'm like, I ah. feel like they should be because at this point it's like, you're just blatantly being an asshole when you do stuff like that. Like, you know, you can go to the grocery store. I get that. You're like not a hundred percent confined to your house, but don't throw a house party. Exactly. Like, that's just stupid. What an idiot. I feel like those people have like people in their families that aren't like ill or can handle the virus yeah they have nobody to care about so they're just assholes stop partying stay inside we're all suffering here a little bit put it into perspective though it's just like a few weeks of this and then it's fine you know your your roots will be touched up your eyebrows will be waxed everything will be okay it just goes to show how privileged (laughs) this world is though i know we were talking about that earlier i was complaining because i had a massive unibrow but then like danielle said something about like she's upset that she can't see her mom for easter then i was like oh i guess my unibrow (laughs) is not the end of the world like there's (laughs) put it into perspective like it sucks that you can't do your usual things but just suck it up there's way worse things going on right now yeah i'm thankful i'm not like a girly girl so last time i got my hair done was like a year and a half ago (laughs) mine's mine's looking a little bit rough i've got grays i started going gray when i was like 19 so i'm a little bit stressed about that and uh, i might get the box dye i hope to god my hairdresser doesn't listen to this and i feel like stress makes it even grayer so you're literally so stressed i hate that what's stressing me out is that there's no like end date for any of this it's just like yeah no we'll just keep doing it until it works yeah so like i don't know how to plan my life around that um i would also just like to point out that my chemical romance reunited and we have tickets in september and it might not be happening i don't think it's gonna happen i think i don't think it's gonna happen i'm supposed to be seeing green day and weezer and follow boy in august that ain't fucking happening i just got lady gaga tickets i don't think any of those are happening but at the end of the day 
they're just concerts it's fine the world is ending (laughs) yeah the world is perspective but on a positive note i have noticed that a lot of podcasts are being uh way more interactive now because uh quite frankly like danielle said this is all we have to do right now and uh, we've had a lot of podcasts reach out to us in the last couple days just uh, a lot of those like instagram quiz things like the this or that and stuff we're getting tags in those people sending us nice messages and stuff so we've been doing some shout outs i don't know if you guys noticed you guys have noticed but yeah it's just nice to see the community coming together so uh today i wanted to give a shout out to uh, a podcast that we followed since we pretty much created our own uh they're called 90s crime time and their instagram handle is the same thing all one word 90s crime time uh they're a true crime podcast that focuses on cases specifically from the 90s so hashtag vintage vibes um not only is their podcast cool but their instagram is actually really really like well thought out they have really long captions in their posts which some people don't like but when okay tmi but when you're like sitting on the toilet and you're like you know going through your instagram it's kind of <laughs> nice to have like a story to read and i'm like oh places. shit i'll go listen to that episode later so i really like their social media too so i just wanted to give them a shout out this week uh she's a sweetheart she's really nice again they are 90s crime time if you wanted to check them out yeah, I was listening to a couple of their episodes because what else do I have to do while I'm yeah, in this literally. pandemic? And they're actually she's actually really good. She's she's easy to listen to as well. So yeah, and they're cool. They're shorter recommend. episodes, right? Yeah, they are. Yeah, which is cool, especially now when you're like binging. Mm-hmm. Exactly, <laughs> um, you can get through so many. Speaking of binging, I started watching How to Get Away with Murder, which if you're behind like me and haven't watched it yet, highly recommend. Um, I started two days ago, and I'm on season four now. I'm like halfway through season four. This is how bored I am, you guys. I'm working still. Like, I I have work to do from home, but, like, I need background noise, and this is all I have right now. See, like, I'm not a binge watcher. I don't know why. I just can't do it. I tried to watch... I've been, like, watching American Horror Story, and I've only gotten to, like... Love that. Like, the... 10 episodes but like i tried to i started watching tiger king gave up on that it's not that it's not good it's just that i'm not a binge watcher i just can't i get to a point i definitely have a point like today at about two so i watched it from about like 10 o'clock to two o'clock and then at two i'm like okay i'm sick of looking at these same people yeah and then i put on say yes to the dress (laughs) um i'm a very complex lady okay um but yeah I guess we should just start the episode at this point. Yeah. Do you want to get into some spookies? Because we've, we've ranted again yes. and we love you guys, but here are our spookies. Okay. So I'm actually going to go, I'm actually going to talk about a very well-known house in the States. And I thought... I know it's not Amityville because we already did that yeah. one. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the Whaley House. I know the name. I don't know the story. Oh my... How do you not know? I don't know. The Ma'am. name is so familiar, though. Ma'am. This is going to be one of those ones where the more you talk, the more... Listen, my brain is shrinking. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Whaley House is located in, old ta- in an old town neighborhood of San Diego, California, and it's most notably, like, known as the most haunted house in America. The most. The most. So it was number one on um, America's Most Haunted. It's labeled oh, as, like, okay. number... The There's, like, most. a legit list. Yeah. Well, from these guys, yeah. But they're number one. Uh, so this house is pretty historic... Like, it's a pretty historic for San Diego. So it's actually been more than just a house. So it had a granary, which is, like, a silo for, like, animal feed and, like, corn or, like, grain or whatever. Um, It was the county courthouse. Uh, It was a commercial theater. It was a ballroom, a billiard, um, a school, a polling station, a general store. But it's most known as the Whaley's family home. 
It's like that building in Oshawa that's been like eight million different bars and stuff. Yeah. The this, one right downtown. Yeah. This is, it's like one of those. Um, Amazing. So this home has obviously seen some shit. So in 1855, Thomas Whaley purchased this plot of land. He first built the gran- granary in May 1856. And then in September that year, he built a two-story house for him and his wife, Anna, which he finished, which ended up being finished being built in 1857. Um, in August 1857, Thomas decided to open a general store in the house, but it was, like, too far from, like, the center of the community. So they had, like, those little small-ass towns, and they were just on the outskirts of it. Wasn't busy enough. Yeah, so he ended up relocating his general store to a building that was located in that small town. Um, Smart. Right? But, like, imagine having a general store in your house. Like, just wake up one morning and be like, hey, here There's to get some a little- corn. There's a wee little town. I'm going to get this wrong. It's sort of outside of Peterborough. It's I want to say it's called Hamilton, but it's not like the Hamilton. Yeah. It's like a smaller or Harwood, something with an H. But they legit have that where the people, like the front yeah. of their house is a convenience store and the back is like where they live. It's like a small little, it's cute. It's it's cute. But a little like, hole in the wall town. <laughs> I mean, this is like 1850s, so that's not surprising at all. Yeah. Um. But so by 1858, Thomas and Anna Whaley had three kids Francis Hinton, Thomas Jr., and Anna Amelia. I fucking love that name, Amelia. That's cute. I know. Um, so unfortunately, their tragedy started out pretty early after moving into this new home that they built. Um, their son, Thomas Jr., died of scarlet fever in the house. Oh, no. He was only 18 months old. Oh, yeah, so he was a baby. So sad. Yeah. And right after that, someone set their general store on on fire in the town so it was arson and it completely destroyed it Aww. so there was, and this happened after they moved into this creepy house yeah the house that they built so it's said like to this day that thomas jr can actually be heard in the house so people Aww. have reported hearing sounds of baby crying and sometimes you hear like little kid giggling when no one else is in the house at all that's so creepy and i think i say this almost every time but Kid ghosts and baby ghosts are infinitely creepier than adult ghosts for some reason. Oh, God, yeah. They really are. And also, like, if you have, like, a demon in your house, they can portray themselves as a child, too, right? So. And that's just creepy. Yeah. Um, so, Thomas was pretty heartbroken about all of this that's happened and ended up packing up and moving his family to San Francisco. Um, so, while living in San Fran, they ended up having three more children, George Hayes Ringgold, oh, wow. Violet <laughs> Eloise, and Corinne Lillian. Um, so that's what six now they're at. Uh, yeah, Jeez. Well, five because Tom, oh, the junior yeah. died, right? Yeah. Um, so in 1868, a major earthquake struck for San Francisco, which resulted in the Whaley family moving back to their house in San Diego. So it was run as a general store while they were in San Francisco. So they were in San Francisco for about like ten years, I think mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. So for about ten years. So because of that earthquake, they moved back into their original home. Um, so while the family was still living in the house, it became the headquarters for the city courthouse, a theater, and a general store all at once. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the, there... Was there no other buildings in this town? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> um, so in 1880, uh, a local merchants began moving into, like, the newly established town. So that little town that was on, like, the outskirts. I think they just called mm-hmm. it, like, New San Diego. This is, like, the old <laughs> San Diego. Um, Creative. Yeah. Which was outside of their small community. So basically all the businesses moved there and left like their little town like eerily quiet. But Thomas Whaley wasn't ready to give up on his house and continued living in his home. Um, In 1871, Thomas was away on business and a group of armed men held his wife Anna 
at gunpoint and seized all the courthouse records that were being stored in the home. So the courthouse had, like, rented out three rooms that they used as, like, uh-huh. um, like storage. And so people ended up robbing it and taking all of it and booked it out. So on January 5th, 1882, two of the Whaley daughters got married inside the house. So Anna Amelia married her first cousin, John T. Oh, Whaley. Jesus. <laughs> um john t whaley yeah their babies are gonna be real fucking they have the same last name yeah first cousin (laughs) like literally first cousin (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's 1882 so are we surprised i wonder what their kids looked like or act um three legs probably Um, really fucked up (laughs) if they even had any kids that's so fucking gross yeah okay sorry (laughs) violet married george t bertlacki Bertolacchi, I think. Not her cousin. Yeah, no, not her cousin. Okay, good. Yeah, she's got... <laughs> Maybe she would have been better off with her cousin, because this guy was a douche, so... Oh. I don't know. Um, so he turned out... So it turned out to be a pretty brutal marriage. The marriage lasted nearly two weeks. They're do- going well. <laughs> going strong. Um, so the couple were traveling back from their honeymoon, and one morning she woke up to find that George had booked it. He just left. Um, so it turned out he was a con artist and had only married Violet for the substantial dowry he believed he would get when he married her. Oh my god. Yeah, so, <laughs> but he was really fucking wrong with that, because they weren't wealthy, they just seemed wealthy, because they owned, like, stores and stuff like that. Yeah. They didn't have all this money, so there was no dowry, or huge dowry that he thought he was gonna get. So he left. So he just left? That's insane. Yeah. Um, so the moral of the story is always marry your cousin. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> you heard it first here, guys. Just marry your cousin. <laughs> please don't marry your cousin that's disgusting (laughs) we are judging you (laughs) we say we're not but we are oh we are oh yeah 100 percent. back then there was like a restraint like restraining morals and like social like there's just like standards during that time period and being a divorced woman was so heavily criticized even though george was a complete utter jackass so (laughs) violet was shunned by society when she returned home without a husband and was unchaperoned which apparently wasn't like the proper thing to do for ladies in the 19th century how come the man's never shunned after a divorce right he was like literally a con artist and they're just like this bitch (laughs) it's just rude yeah so they're their divorce was finalized a year later, but Violet was so, like, had, like, so much depression on it and ultimately decided she wouldn't live with the shame of being a divorced woman that she shot herself in the chest in the backyard outhouse in, on August 18th, 1885. Her dad, Thomas, ended up finding her dying and brought her back inside the house to the back parlor where she ended up passing away. She was only 22 years old. So she's, like, tied to the house now? Yeah. Um, dun, dun, dun. She left a suicide note. So this, Aww. yeah, the suicide note read, Mad from life's history, swift to death's mystery, glad to be hurled anywhere, anywhere out of this world. So that's a passage from Bridge of Sighs, a poem by Thomas Hood. So that was her suicide oh, note. I was going to say, that's, like, eerily poetic of her. Yeah. But obviously she didn't write that. No, she did not. But that's really that's fucking dark. sad. Yeah. Yeah. Here. So, today, people report seeing an apparition of a young woman lingering on the second floor of the house. It's believed to be Violet. It's said that the areas within the home become, like, really cold, especially on the second floor. And also, people have said that while they're up there, they feel consumed with, like, a lot of sorrow and get really depressed for no reason. I don't like the sad ghost. Yeah. So, she had a tough... She was only 22. 
Aw, the poor thing. Yeah, so freaking young. She go sad. bring her some wine and some ice cream. <laughs> we'll fix it for her. It, it, it helps everything. <laughs> Just everything. <laughs> Even in the afterlife. <laughs> um, so their daughter, Corrine, was engaged at the time of her sister's death, but her fiance broke off the engagement due to the scandal it made. So after this, oh, shut yeah, up. Yeah. What an this asshole. poor fucking family. Um, so after this, Thomas Whaley built a single-story frame home for his family in the main downtown area on State Street. So attempting to capitalize on the boom of that area. Um, I don't know why it took his daughter suicide to do this, but apparently it did. <laughs> um, I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm sorry. Um, he decided to retire from all his business adventures in 1888 due to ill health and ended up dying in the State Street house on December 14th, 1890. Um, R.I.P. 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 Thomas. Um, so even though... Um, Thomas died in like the new home on State Street. His spirit went back to the original Whaley house. So he has been seen by multiple people and witnesses see usually see him standing at the top of the stairs wearing pantaloons, <laughs> a frock coat, and a top hat. Very He's in his Sunday best for his afterlife. Right? He's I here my pantaloons. <laughs> um so yeah, so he's like super dressed up in his nice little clothes to greet everyone in his house. Yeah, I don't know what illness he had, but he I don't know. I, I, I mean, back then, the common cold would kill you, so it could be anything. Right. Um, so their daughter, because I'm, I'm going in chronological order, if no one's noticed, but it's just how my brain works. Of, um, like, who's died, basically? Yeah. So the daughter, Anna Amelia, died on December 12th, 1905. I'm not sure how she passed away. I just know she died. Um, so their original house remained vacant during all of this and ended up falling into despair because they all moved to, like, the new the new house yeah. on State Street. Um so in the late 1909, their son Francis Whaley returned. He was he ended up getting married to a lady named Susan, and he did a restoration on the building. So Francis utilized the home as a residence and like a tourist attraction. Um, so he posted um, signs outside promoting historic like it's a historic house and sat outside playing guitar because that's what you do in the 1900s. <laughs> you Justin Bieber the house, yeah, basically. <laughs> Um, so his mom, Anna, brother, George, and sister, Kareen, ended up living at the house, like back at the normal house with him. On February 24th, 1913, Anna died in the house. She was 80 years old, which damn oh, girl. Damn. She made it far. Yeah, she did. She kicked ass. She made it to 80 years old in 1913. Um, a year later, her son, Francis, passed away in the house on November 19th, 1914, George Whaley died on January 5th, 1928, but I don't think he died in the house. Um, and Kareen continued living in, I, I don't know if it's Kareen or Corinne. It's one of the two and I'm saying both, so I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> this girl. Yeah. Um, she continued to live in the house until her death in 1953. So fast forward back to today. People who have visited the house have said they will randomly smell an aroma, like an aroma of French perfume. So who oh, okay. don't One know what the, the fuck that smells like, but <laughs> expensive. I yeah, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, it's reported that that was like Anna's signature scent. So they say it's her. Um, and she's also seen in the parlor room, just kind of like sitting there and like hanging out. I hope that I leave behind my bath and body works pumpkin spice scent when I go. <laughs> that's, that's what I want. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I don't know what, what would my smell be? Probably like something uh, like you have that Christmas tree candle. Oh, oh, that would get too campfire. Yeah, but it's a little bit weird to smell like burnt <laughs> in the afterlife. <laughs> True, 
But campfire smells good. It does. It's one of my favorite scents, especially like the day after when it's like on your sweater the morning after. Oh my god, yes. Oh. Anyway, so she smells good, this girl. <laughs> yeah, so she smells good even in the afterlife, so good for her. Um, so in 1960, the house became a historic house museum, um, but I believe it's owned by, I think it's like the Save Our Heritage Organization, something like that. Okay, yeah. Um, I think they took it over in like 1969, so you can like go visit, there's... um. Uh, like tours you can go you can do after hours tours i don't think you can stay there but they have like it's like a historic building again it's built yeah. to be the whaley house like when you go in there's like violet's room and there's like thomas but and it's not room. actually their house it is their house but oh it's but just, they restored, like, restored it. it yeah okay yeah. i did something like that in florida i wish i remembered the name of the place but it was literally the exact same thing where these people lived there and it was uh, it was a school. I think it was, like, a jail at one point. It was, like, a bunch of different things. And then they eventually restored it to, like, the original house. Okay. And they do ghost tours and stuff. Oh, that's cool. And we actually did experience a couple weird things. But I was a little bit disappointed overall. I wanted to see more. It wasn't <laughs> spooky enough for me. You gotta you gotta go at night. Yeah, that was... We went kind of at sunset. And then uh, in the darkness, we went on, like, a boat tour. I almost oh, wish they cool. reversed it yeah. and did the boat tour first. Because the whole, like... Um, I guess it's a river that this house is on. Um, there's, like, uh, stories of people killing themselves or, like, Jeez. being thrown over the bridge by the mob and stuff like that. <laughs> like, the whole river is haunted, apparently. Yeah. It's really cool. If we ever randomly end up in Florida, then I would totally do it again. So, but, yeah. we got to take a trip to Florida just for that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much the history on the house, because now it's just a museum. Um, so, I'm just going to take you back a little bit, because this spirit is like very active in the house and it's mm -hmm. very scary a little bit um so in 1852 before the whaley house even existed james robin robinson known as yankee jim was <laughs> convicted of attempted larceny and was sentenced to death by hanging so his execution took place on the land which became the whaley house so i oh. yeah eyewitnesses said during the hanging yankee jim kept his feet on the wagon until he could no longer stay planted and when he let go he swung back and forth like a pendulum until he strangled to death which is Charming. a rough way to go um so Ugh. what's even creepier is thomas whaley witnessed this execution in person he was there and still built the house there yeah so he was there. He saw him get executed. This was cursed from the start. Yeah. And Yankee Jim was like a very well-known person in town. And apparently he did a lot of robbings and Yeah, I was just going to say, people. was he like a well-known criminal? Yeah, he was. So they finally caught him and they were just like, Away death. with you. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so apparently the Whaley's had paranormal experiences. They started hearing heavy footsteps and eerie noises and even had like disembodied foot like prints on the road oh. yeah wherever that was um he and so he was just like casually scaring the whaley members so this like he's been haunting this place since 1852 which is nuts before it was even built yes so thomas whaley saw him die and was like i'm gonna put a house here this is perfect <laughs> and everything will be just fine. It's fine um so there is a plaque for yankee jim on the grounds where he was hung on the on the the plot of land and in the reading it says he was hung for trying to steal a boat <laughs> i'm not kidding i'm both sorry i heard kylo <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's shaking upstairs oh that's so funny sorry he's told a boat yeah so the there's a plaque on for him on the grounds of the whaley house now for the museum and in the reading it says that he was hung for stealing a boat that seems like not something that someone should be hung for right 
Like, but I mean, what did he do prior to that? Did he kill someone, or was it just like more theft? I have no idea. I think it's just like petty, like theft. It seems extra. Yeah. So currently in the house, the courtroom is still there, and people have reported seeing someone in like the jury box, which would be oh creepy. creepy. Yeah. And the back corner of this courtroom apparently is like really active. So there's a bunch of chairs, and people report hearing like the chairs move, um, and they see apparitions sitting in the back corner of the chair. Um, so psychics have said, cause there's been many people going into this mm-hmm. house, including psychics. So psychics have said that the back corner is actually like a spiritual portal or vortex. Oh. Yeah. So it's bringing everything in, which is terrifying. And they also said that the courtroom is the most active place in the house, which I mean, if there's a portal, of course it's going to be the most active. So if it's like a portal, does that mean it's bringing in spirits that didn't necessarily die there? Yeah. Ooh. So, like, I could die tomorrow and then go over and fucking haunt the Whaley House. I'd go to San Diego, too. Wait, it's in San Diego, right? Yeah, it's in San Diego. Yeah, that sounds like a lovely place to haunt. Right? That's a good idea. <laughs> um, so, there are reports that you can hear music from the theater room as well. Um, there was an incident with a police officer, which is really fucking... This, this story kind of is weird to me. So... Like, spooky weird. Not just weird. Like, spooky weird. (laughs) Um, So, there was an incident with a police officer. So, they got a call that there was a woman on the grounds in the backyard just being weird. Um, (laughs) It was me. (laughs) (laughs) So, the cops showed up and searched the grounds and found a lady dressed in period clothing, sitting and crying in the backyard. Um, When he asked her if she was okay, she turned around and smiled. He then flashed his flashlight to her and she vanished. So creepy. This is all in a police reported, like as a do- as a document. Oh. It's all reported. Yeah. So he had to write it. It came out when he retired, like the police officer. Can you imagine being that officer that had to do it, and like everyone's probably laughing at you, and you're like, "Bro, I saw it." Yeah, you're like, "I swear to God, man, I saw this." But isn't that like terror? Like it's a it's the documented. smile is the creepy part. Yeah. Have you ever played I'm, like, the picturing it. the game Fear? Uh, is that the one where you like? walking through the house it's like a haunted house well it's like a it's yeah an asylum or something like that it's a computer game no well okay, i think it can one. be on a computer but i played it on um xbox it was i think i think of a different one too but it's probably like a scary it's haunted terrifying. game yeah that's what it reminds me of because it's just creepy little girl running around that's Ugh. what i could picture yeah so there is a um one of the tour guides was closing up for the night and before leaving um, he was punching in the alarm code for the house, and as he was doing so, he heard a woman say, why are you here? Ooh. And he was the only one in the house, and so he was like, yeah, fuck it, and booked it out of the house, which ended <laughs> up tripping the alarm. Oh, no way. Yeah, so the cops showed up, and they couldn't find anything, but he swears to this day that he's like, I heard someone say that to me. I would have left everything, too. Yeah. <laughs> fuck this. Yeah, so again, the Whaley House is supposed to be the most haunted home in America. There's been... Go just go on YouTube and watch all the videos. But like, if me and you went in there, there's like no photography or film photography allowed in, so that's kind of a bummer. So Aww. it's more of like the stuff you see is kind of like Ghost Adventures or like America's Most Haunted or like Buzzfeed on. That sucks that they don't let you document it. You think they would for like marketing? Like if we posted a bunch of pictures on Instagram, being like, look at all the ghosts we saw. Like, yeah, more people would go do your tours, bro. You're right, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. That's the Whaley House. It's on my bucket list. Such a sad history of this I house. Know. It kind of, it is very similar to the one I went to in Florida. There was a lot of, like, deaths in the family. A lot of young deaths. Um, just really quickly, the one story that 
was the worst one in Florida. Um, this little girl, they don't know what happened. She was like running home from school. She got to the front door of the house, literally just past the front door and just dropped dead. Um, it was probably an aneurysm or something like that. They just probably didn't have the like medical knowledge to diagnose it back then, but she just like dropped dead. And uh, I was standing in the doorway with those like sticks that you hold that spin. Oh, I remember you know, the metal you about rods. That, yeah. And uh, they they started going towards each other in that spot. And I took a step back, and they started going back the opposite way. That is so scary. And then, like I kept doing it, and I kept doing it, and I kept telling myself like, "Oh, I'm gripping it weird. It must be the way I'm holding it." But like fucking creepy man that is that i'd be scared but that house reminds me of the one in florida i should look it up and like send it to you so you could do it in one episode because it was a lot of similar sad stories like someone killed themselves uh someone like put a brick around their own ankle and threw themselves in the lake kind of thing oh like yeah i should send, i should yeah. look into that you gotta google that and i'll hook know. you up girl thanks girl appreciate <laughs> it but yeah that's, that's the whaley house creepy i know um i guess that means it's my turn it is your turn but yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about uh, the two serial killers, Gwen Graham and Kathy Wood. Mm-hmm. And I also, while talking about them, mentioned the term Angel of Mercy Killer, which is also called the Angel of Death Killer. Um, so I disagreed that those two were Angel of Mercy Killers. I thought that they were more like sexual predators than anything. Yeah. Um, so be- because I disagreed with that, I thought it'd be cool to sh- show an example of an Angel of Mercy Killer. So today I'm going to tell you about Canada's only known Angel of Mercy serial killer named Elizabeth Wetlaufer. Wetlaufer? Quite the last name. I know. (laughs) You might recognize this story. It happened kind of recently in Woodstock, Ontario. Uh, The creepy looking nurse who like killed a bunch of old people. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know you're talking about. I said that really politely there. (laughs) So, uh, just to go into a little bit of background about Wetlawfer, uh, she was born and raised near Woodstock, Ontario, like I said. She grew up in an uptight Baptist household, but had a relatively quiet, normal childhood. Uh, she went on to earn a bachelor's degree in religious education, and... You can get a bachelor's degree in religious education? <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> so, she, she did that uh, from the London Baptist Bible College. Um, And then she got a nursing degree at Conestoga College. She became a registered nurse in 1995. Um, In October 1997, she married Daniel Wetlaufer, who was a long-haul truck driver she met at church. Uh, They lived together but didn't end up uh, having any children. They separated in January 2007 and formally divorced in 2008. Uh, Elizabeth said that the end of the marriage caused her great stress and that anger played a large role in her decision to start killing. So the divorce affected her, like, really, really badly. She started to sort of crack, for lack of a better term. Just go see a therapist, girl. Like, God. (laughs) Uh, she she does eventually, but it's yeah. uh, it's a little bit too late. We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> um, she also had uh, she worked specifically with like dementia and Alzheimer patients, so she said that also added to the stress. So she, while she was dealing with the the stress of the divorce, she would go to work and then have all these patients like yelling at her and being abusive towards her because they can't control what they're doing necessarily. Yeah. yeah. So she was just kind of hitting this like great peak in her life. After her divorce, she actually started dating women, which I thought was interesting considering, you know, she'd never done that before in her life. She was raised Baptist and religious and stuff. So it was very weird that this divorce seemed to trigger, like, I don't want to say an alternate personality, but maybe, like, hidden traits yeah. that she maybe wasn't showing before. 
Um, so she started dating women, uh, but she told her neighbors that she had found God and was no longer interested in women after a while, which again, very weird. So she's on like a downward spiral at this point. Yeah. She, um, she also ended up getting into alcohol and opioids. Uh, she did go to rehab twice, uh, staff at the center for addiction and mental health in Toronto, also known as cam H, mm-hmm. uh, diagnosed her with major depressive disorder, borderline personality disorder, and antisocial adult behavior. Uh, she confessed to stealing medications from a safe used to store drugs of dead patients, but she claimed she was sober when she committed these murders. So she has a history of drug use. She has a history from stealing from the hospital she worked at. Um, she seemed to be... How did she get away using... with all of this? Like, before she's killing people. She's a smart people. lady. Like, she's sort of, like, unsuspecting. We're gonna, I'm going to post a picture of her, um, obviously, on Monday when we upload this episode. But she's very, like... Just a short, plain, older, like, friendly-looking lady. Like, you would never guess any of this looking at her. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's part of how she got away with all of this for so long, because she's just so, like, sweet and unassuming-looking that no one would even think. And she was, like, a functioning addict. Like, she would be at work on drugs and stuff like that. Yeah, like you said, her life seemed to have taken, like, a sharp downward turn after her divorce. It seemed to have, like, sparked... um, Again, I don't want to say a second personality, but it just seemed to spark, like, very bad behavior from her for some reason. Like, not that dating women is bad, but just strange behavior, I guess. So, about these crimes that she's committed. Uh, She started working at the Caressant Care Nursing Home in Woodstock in June of 2007, so around the same time as the divorce. Uh, She began killing patients there a couple of months later. She usually worked the the night shift and was mainly responsible for dispensing medication. Uh, She murdered seven of her eight victims at this nursing home, and one victim was killed working at a part-time gig at another facility in London. That's so sad. So there was two facilities that she was doing this at. Yeah. Um, she committed her crimes using insulin, which is a debidable. <laughs> it's a drug. <laughs> I was trying to say diabetes and that didn't work. So she committed her crimes using insulin, which is a diabetes medication that lowers blood sugar. It can cause a coma or death when too much is administered. And it's hard to detect over, uh, overdoses of insulin because it's, it's just blood sugar right like it yeah. could change by the time they do your autopsy or whatever i'm not a scientist and it's normally just hard to detect. yeah normally your body produces it right so it's not something you like yeah exactly and um again similar to the other case with the two women that were killers these patients were all uh between the ages i think of 68 and 95 or something like that so again very unsuspecting if a patient just dies yeah. in their sleep at one of these uh, uh hospitals no one would really think anything of it See, that tugs out like my heartstrings my grand <laughs> my grandfather he uh, had dementia so like Aww. you're kind of like well, I, I i don't know it makes it, it so me. hard to like trust a home we had a hard time when my papa started to get old we ended up my uncle ended up like building a room in his house because we just didn't trust yeah. any nursing home enough for him there's too many horror stories and i don't want to bash healthcare workers but it's just it's dark like for every 10 good health workers there's one bad one that's you know this woman yeah exactly you know what i mean yeah uh, on that note bless all the healthcare workers out there right now who are working during all of this i could not imagine being them no not at all <laughs> thanks emma and we forgot to say that yeah thanks emma emma's a nurse yeah my sister's a nurse emma. and we love you <laughs> 
Um, anyway, so, <laughs> sorry, Emma, on to the next point. <laughs> um, in a 2.5-hour videotaped confession to the police, Wetlaufer said she felt a, quote, red surge before killing and described a, quote, laughing feeling once the murders were complete. She also said she believed God was telling her to kill, and in one case, she believed that her victim was no longer enjoying life, so she took it in her own hands to say, Hey, I'm God. Know, they're over it. They didn't want to be here. I'll end their pain. Um, so this is where she sort of differentiates from the other two. Um, fuck, I'm so bad with names. Gwen Graham and Kathy Wood, their killings were centered more around sexuality. They would kill their victim and then go have sex. Um, it was always based around strangulation, which is a form of, uh, like BDSM style sex. Mm -hmm. Whereas this lady was like, God told me to do it. I was helping them. I wanted them to feel better. Like it's the, the connotation behind the crime that I think makes you an angel of mercy killer. Yeah. I don't think there was any mercy in the first case where she thought she was helping. No. For some reason. Yeah. But uh, in addition to the eight murder charges, uh, she also used insulin injections to commit four attempted murders and two aggravated assaults against patients in her care. So that's six, seven, eight. that's like 14 people she killed. I can't math, but I think, or attempted to kill an eight that actually died. That's sad. So she did this for quite a while without yeah. anyone noticing. Yeah. Okay, so I talk a little bit here more about the, the Angel of Mercy thing. And honestly, I just started thinking about this case the more I, write, I started to write it. And I think it kind of like poked holes in her story a little bit. Could just be me being trapped inside for too long. <laughs> but so in some cases, uh, the term Angel of Mercy is sort of broken up into two types of killers. So in some cases, the angel phrase is taken quite literally and people will say they're acting on behalf of God. God told them to do it, blah, blah, blah. And then the other half is the sympathetic killing where, oh, I feel bad for them. They're in pain. I'm going to end their suffering. Um, I thought it was really interesting that Elizabeth seemed to have worked both angles of this story because usually it's one or the other. Mm -hmm. But she said God told her to do it, but also this guy looked sad kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think someone almost coached her into this alibi not alibi what's the word i'm looking for mo yeah is that the word i'm looking yeah, for yeah, okay MO. i think someone coached her into this mo a little bit and i'm gonna explain why i think that um so she uh, elizabeth left caressing care nursing home before being charged with any of the murders she was caught incorrectly administering a medication to a patient while she herself was under the influence of a medication so she showed up stone to work and basically uh, almost overdosed a patient like you have Which people's is, lives in your your hands yeah asshole. really great um, so the hospital confronted her and let her leave quietly as opposed to firing her. See, uh, they I didn't hate want, that. Like, I hate when they do that. There's too much money involved in yeah. hospitals. You know what I mean? Like when you see the business side of hospitals, it's actually really gross what they yeah. hide and stuff. Like on a, um, on so a side, sorry, like on a side note, there's a podcast called uh, Dr. Death and they talk about oh. this doctor <laughs> who like basically was great on paper like did his exams and stuff but like never like practiced surgeries and stuff and like was just so charming and worked his way into the hospital and then ended up doing like surgeries on people and killing them because they had no he had no idea what the fuck he was doing but he was oh my god he was so like mentally he has such a big fucking ego that he's like i can do this like he he paralyzed his best friend his best friend had like an uh, had a bad back and or like an uh, an accident or something that like messed up his neck and his his this guy was like oh I can fix it can fix it and he ended up fucking paralyzing oh, him it's nuts and like they, they got the hospital found out and just was like oh we're just gonna let you go so he went to another hospital and the hospital and, start doing and it did there. the same thing yeah it's it's fucked 
Yeah, it's amazing what hospitals cover up because so many rich people donate to hospitals. Yeah. So then that looks bad on all of these rich people, blah, blah, blah. It's an entire PR scam and it's kind of gross. But yeah, that's basically what they did to her. They just told her to leave quietly. They wanted to avoid like a media circus and all that. She was never revoked of her license and she was never technically fired. Mm-hmm. However, uh, Caressing Care did notify the College of Nurses um, of what happened the college of nurses is like the regulatory body for nurses in ontario so that's how like you know if you have misconduct or whatever that's who fires you yeah yeah. at the end of the day so yeah they reported her to them apparently they said that the staff had no underlying concerns about her they thought this was just a one-off or something um so the the college of nurses sorry i was like how dense are they (laughs) oh i know like you think she well I mean, I guess she covered it up really well when she was like, oopsie, I did it by accident. Yeah, I guess. I'm drunk. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, True. Me at the job. <laughs> but yeah, so the uh, the College of Nurses didn't investigate her any further because of these claims that there was no underlying issues. However, Caress and Care has since disputed that, saying that they sent a 20-page report of its concerns that was never followed up on. So they said they got 20 pages on this girl. Wow. And the board was just like, meh. So who's lying? Um, I don't know if I believe them because, again, we were saying hospitals are, like, sketchy and, like, could be just covering it up. Those 20 pages could not actually exist. They're like, we have the 20 pages. We just never sent it. (laughs) So um, after she uh, left that job, she started working part-time at that other uh, facility in London where she was still committing these crimes. Yeah. Uh, She ended up checking herself into rehab again at Camp H. On September 16th, 2016, almost two weeks after her employer asked her to reassign to administer insulin to children with diabetes at a school in Ingersoll, uh, she said that she feared that she wouldn't be able to resist hurting the children and that she didn't want to hurt kids because, like, at least if she hurts old people, they're They're already on their way out. Like, uh... yeah. So she didn't trust herself enough with the kids and she actually went to Cam H and was like, I can't do this. She confessed all of her murders. Um, she told them everything. And she's like, I don't trust myself to do this. And she just and said, I killed a, a bunch of people. Yeah. And they were like, oh, shit. The okay. Um, so they called the Toronto police and the College of Nurses in Ontario to alert of her crimes. Uh, allegedly, what Lawford confessed to her crimes to several people in 2016. Uh, among those she told were a former boyfriend, a student nurse, a pastor and his wife, a lawyer, an ex-girlfriend, and none of these people reported it to the police. Um, apparently, some told her they would only tell if she did it again, and some <laughs> just thought that she was being crazy entirely and ignored her. This isn't something um, like a slap on the hand, you don't do it next time kind of thing. I think that's insane. Like, I don't know if she actually told all these people or if she just said she told all these people. Yeah. But, like, if if some person came to me and was like, okay, hear me out. I killed, like, eight people. I'd be like, immediately, uh-huh, 911, mm-hmm, tell me more. Yeah. Like, it's fucking terrifying. Um, so no one told on her for some strange reason. So, um, backtracking to what I said earlier, I think that if she did tell this many people, especially like, uh, someone working in, in the mental health care system, I feel like they almost told her to amp up her story of like, God told me to do it. I feel bad. Like, um, there's more on why I think that I'm not just pulling this out of my ass right now, <laughs> but yeah, I think that they were trying to get her pity from either the public or the jury or whoever in this case by, uh, like making her stick to this story so strongly. Um, 
part of why I think that is because they, after she was arrested and everything, they found really creepy poetry that she had posted online. Oh, God. Um, she, yeah. She wrote it under a, a pseudonym called Betty Weston. And they included chilling lines such as, quote, I love their wrinkles, their frailties, even their smell. I love the finality, the resignation, the knowing that this is their last home. And, quote, she watches some life drain from the notch in his neck vein as it soothingly pools, it smothers her pain. So this girl is a psycho. That doesn't sound like too much of a mercy killer to me. Yeah. It's not a God told me to do it. Yeah. So I think I think I poked holes in this whole thing of me talking about angel of mercy killers, but I don't think she was one in the long run because of this. This poetry kind of shows that she was enjoying it. She fantasized about it did she plan it at that point if she's writing about it and who's to say that you're right that someone deserves to die no one you no one can say that i mean if someone's like again that goes to the death sentence argument but in this case you can't decide someone wants to die just because they're old and sick it's back into that gray area like you're stuck in it there's no i don't like if someone's like terminally ill and is like hey i want to die then i'd be like they're making that decision themselves that's different. Yeah, and there's a whole there's a whole process behind that too. Like you need to go through X amount of psychiatry and like you have to say you want to die for like 6 months straight. Like yeah. you, it's not just I want to die and they end you. Like they take it very seriously, which I think that they should. Yeah, I agree. Um but yeah, this girl you know, historically she is known as Canada's first and only Angel of Mercy serial killer. Um but whether she actually is one is now a mystery because this creepy poetry i found i'm calling bullshit bullshit i cracked a, a, a case i cracked you one you cracked it but yeah i just uh, i wanted to talk about her today to sort of follow up on that example that i dropped a couple weeks ago i remember hearing um, about her but like i don't i don't remember too much about it yeah so. it was really sad there was um eight victims total they were all really old it was huge it actually um i didn't want to go too much into this because i don't quite understand it but it ended up opening like a can of worms with uh the nurses college where they found out other cases where the nurses college were slacking on their investigations and like other patients had died as a result it ended up like they made laws and stuff based on this case for the nursing system Mm -hmm. so it was really really a huge case in canada yeah and i thought it was a good example to show that was a good one thanks but also fuck this bitch because i don't think she was i don't think god told her to do it i think she was enjoying it the second i saw that poetry and i didn't know about that poetry till i started doing this research for this because i'd heard about the case before and believed the angel of mercy thing but now i don't so much yeah that that takes it what do you guys think whole different direction yeah you let us know did i just uh did i just poke holes in her whole story yeah i think you did i think you think you're onto something i did (laughs) <laughs> i think i need to get out of the house yeah i think so too <laughs> we'll get there eventually this world is just shutting down and we're thankful that you guys are listening to us while the world yeah, is shutting down. yeah i wish we could be a little bit more positive about it we're trying our best yeah you guys help we're getting a lot of love from you guys yeah. after my work week i just had i am not so positive so <sighs> yeah it's it's getting dark i chose a bad week to stop drinking <laughs> like a really i mean week. will one drink really hurt you tonight no that's tomorrow i said i drink one night a week because when this pandemic Smart. shit started, I was drinking, like, every night, and I'm like, I'm gonna spiral. Yeah, I've been smoking way more than I ever yeah. have in my entire life. Mostly because I have nothing else to do, and, like... You just get bored. What I'm doing for my job right now is so stupid. Oh, my God, my dog broke in. Rupert! Rupert. So, again, thanks for listening while you, uh, quarantine yourselves and hopefully staying safe and not doing 20-plus backyard parties. 
And yeah. Yeah, please don't do that. No, Just do listen that. to our podcast. Yeah. And tell your friends to listen to our podcast too. Yeah. Subscribe and leave us a, a review and let us know what you like, what you don't like. If you have any stories you want to hear of like stuff we might not know or you guys, what cases you want Holly to cover or me to cover, let us know. We have a board, but like we want to add to that board. Yeah, we have some ideas in the running, but we want more. We need more fat. Yeah. <laughs> so if you have any fun stories, let us know. Uh, if you're ever bored in quarantine, you can hit us up on social media. So our Instagram is a spooky hour podcast. You can find us on Twitter at spooky hour, or you can email us your stories at the spooky hour podcast 666 at gmail.com. And come hang out with us. We're fun. We like you guys. We know you're bored because we're bored too. Yeah, we're very <laughs> bored. We're loving all the interaction lately though, so keep it up. Yeah. Lots of comments, lots of messages. Yeah. And we'll- Stay safe. Stay spooky. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.